friends, it is it is John. Um, I have had a, quite a quite an interesting few weeks um, as of this intro recording. Uh, I have finished graduate school. I graduated with a master's um, a week ago, yesterday. Um, I meant to this this episode it was super exciting. Um, I meant to post it earlier. It's just been um, it's just been kind of a whirlwind. Uh, had a bunch of really really wonderful things happen, and uh, you know, graduation was just was just one of them. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, but uh, I'm super, super excited about this episode. I've been wanting to uh, to talk with this person for many, many months and, and years. We were we were friends right when I started uh, grad school. Um, I was good friends with uh, and, and teaching partners actually with her husband as well. So um, we kind of got to know each other. Um, but on the podcast today is my friend Rebecca McQueen. She is uh, she's a music therapist. She's a, a wonderful person. It suits her absolutely perfectly, and um, it's really cool what she's up to. She's got her own private practice, and she is you know seeing seeing clients and, and just really really doing the thing. Um, we we talk about music therapy quite a bit. Uh, I think. Uh, as you'll, you'll kind of hear, both of us could pretty much talk about music therapy uh, all day if we needed to. And it's it's really cool what she's up to um, and her philosophies on stuff. We also talk about, you know, just being a musician and life. And, um, you know, she's uh, she's got a, a young one. And we, so we talk about, um, you know, parenthood a little bit and, and that. So it's, it's really, really great. Um, I was so excited to have her on. Uh, I, I think... You'll be able to tell. I obviously think very highly of her. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, I am going to get back to more regular posting. Uh, I, I do. I'm going to do like a, a summation of of grad school, um, probably after the beginning of the year. Uh, just things are things are still not quite uh, settled down completely just yet. So. Um, but I've also got some other projects that I want to tell you all about and will definitely need your help with. So uh, please stay tuned to the podcast and you know Instagram and Facebook. Um, I've been doing some work on the website and getting ready to release some changes there. And I have a couple of other things that are going to, like I said, involve um, lots, of, lots of my music friends, hopefully, is the idea. So um, please enjoy the podcast with... Rebecca McQueen. Part time for a therapist. Uh-huh. So I'm going to work two days a week. Then by August, I was like, oh, I got to work <laughs> three days a week. And now I'm looking at four full days a week. And, and we're talking like get going at eight, be done at four or five. Mm-hmm. So, um, and realistically, right now, there's enough of a wait list that I could go till six or seven. But being a parent, I really don't want to do that. I want to be able to still be there for my kid. Yeah. You know, you asked if it's an ideal situation. And I think. For me, in my lifestyle and what I like, it is. Mm-hmm. A lot of therapists like the structure of a hospital or um, the structure of a school district that hires instead of contracting out. But I like the flexibility that having my own business and having the structure of my own life mm-hmm. provides. So, 
And eventually I would like to expand it and have other therapists so I can offer them the same thing without having to do the mass amount of paperwork that sure. I have to do. And, and they, um, they get the benefits of seeing the clients and doing that sort of thing and all fight the bills and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, I've sort of, I mean, obviously we're in completely different fields with different implications and stuff, but I've sort of stepped into the, the, the freelance composing thing. Um, but I've always wondered, cause people ask, you know, when you, when you're, when you finish with composition study, like, what do you do? You're going to go like write for a school. You're going to write for an opera. And I'm like, eh. some, like some, I guess groups have those, but, um, and you, you kind of mentioned like working in a hospital, um, what I know about it is that it's uh, it, a lot of people feel like it's kind of adjacent to a, I guess a more traditional healthcare provider. I mean, I know it's 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 becoming more popular, but like, what would it what would it look like if if a therapist was a music therapist was to be employed at a hospital or full time at a school district? Yeah. So those those uh, those guys get paid salary most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of psych facilities around here pay PRN, which is uh, prescribed hours. So just when it's contract, like if a doctor prescribes it, someone prescribes it, you come in, you do your work, you leave, you get paid hourly. Um, but for a lot of hospital music therapists, it's like a nine to five or some of them are just part time. So they just work 20 hours a week. That's mm-hmm. their gig. They get paid a certain amount. They come in, they do their job, they leave. Um so around here in the Houston area is like United Methodist. Let me make sure I'm saying the right one. Yeah, United <laughs> Methodist and then Tier um, both have music therapists for specific parts of the hospital. So I know like the Tier here in the Woodlands, they um, they have one full-time music therapist. She comes in, she's eight to four. She does her job in the rehab facility in there. She co-treats with PT, OT, and speech. Um, and she leaves at four. She does all her notes. Everything is done right there within those hours. So yeah, it's very traditional healthcare providing. Um, whereas mine is more, um, I'm in home. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of the behaviors a traditional provider wouldn't Mm -hmm. see because we're in the comfort of your own home. So whether it's kids who just sleep all day or kids who like to throw things across the room or, or bite you or, you know, Uh so I, but, um, and a lot of therapists don't like dealing with that and Mm -hmm. that's okay. I mean, everybody's got their thing, but I really love behaviors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I think it's fun. Um, I don't, of course, I don't let my clients know that. It's a very serious matter when I'm with them. But, but I, I uh, almost, this sounds bad, but like <laughs> I get a rush. I'm like, oh, I got that behavior eliminated. I'm excited about that. And so, so it's, a, it's a puzzle for me in mm-hmm. figuring out how to get rid of that. Um, as for a school district, uh, so I know Fort Bend has a full-time music therapist. Klein ISD has two full-time and one part-time I might be wrong on that there might be three um but some some of the school districts do have them full-time the difference is that's normally music therapy as an inclusion service meaning all the special ed kids get music therapy and it's not tailored to the individual kid so what well I shouldn't say that it is tailored to the individual kid everything we do is tailored to the individual kid but it's a group environment there's Mm -hmm. no one-on-one so it 
it really just depends on the school district and how they want to tackle it. So mm-hmm. school districts are supposed to provide music therapy no matter what. Um, and they're allowed to decide how that looks. So whether they get it for one kid mm-hmm. whose parents request it or whether they just say, hey, no, we're going to hire someone. They're going to work full time. They're going to be paid salary like a teacher and they're going to come in do their job and leave and take notes on it. Um, so Fort Bend does it differently than Klein. Klein does it differently than Spring. Everybody does it differently, but um, just as long as there's a music therapist that comes in and helps the kiddos out. Um, so in my situation, I have a couple kiddos I see one-on-one in the school district, but I also see some groups mm-hmm. just depending on the kids' individual goals. Yeah. So there's some kids that they really are fine one-on-one. But the moment you get them in a group, they don't focus, they don't listen, there's issues there. And so that's when we go, okay, well, it's appropriate to see them in a group. That way we can address those things. Um, Whereas some kids, they're fine in a group. They follow the flow of the crowd, but the moment you get them one-on-one, they are a mess. And so really having to rein that in and teach them how to focus by themselves without that external reinforcer. Yeah. That's, it's, a lot of this, because um, I was asking some people just kind of casually, is like, what do you know about music therapy? <laughs> oh, that's a fun question. Uh, yeah. uh, um, and just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been close with, with people in the course of music therapy study. Um, a lot of those people, I think, moved away, so I kind of lost contact with them. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of common misperceptions, but they're so all over the place that I think to me it's just like, well, what, what are some of the the misconceptions that you have <laughs> heard? And <what's laughs> I was actually talking to my husband about this last night. I, uh, I always joke, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's me. I'm the happy fun time music lady. Like, that, <laughs> oh yeah, that's our, uh, that's the biggest misconception. I told my husband I want a shirt that just says happy fun time music lady. Um, and he was like, no, that would only reinforce the, the, <laughs> the perception. Um, but that's a big one is that, and it, it really depends on your philosophy. Mm-hmm. So my philosophy is that the music is either going to serve as an antecedent to the behavior. So it is going to cause a behavior. It's going to facilitate the behavior, so the behavior will happen within the music, or it's going to be a consequence to the behavior. So you have a nonverbal kid, he makes a choice, I want this, selects a visual, I want this song, great. So you told me what you want, now I'm going to play that song as a reward, right? So that's my philosophy. A lot of people that come out of Sam are going to have the same philosophy, because that you choose a school based on mm-hmm. what you think. There are some people... And I don't think it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I mean, it's it's truly just your philosophy. There are some people that have the philosophy that the music is the therapy. And that's the music serves as the therapy, that is the therapy, and that is that. Um, and then there are people that uh, believe the music is just kind of a background to the therapy. But I, I feel that music is fully integrated in the whole therapeutic process. Um, so I, yeah, I get a lot of parents that I come in and they don't really understand what I do and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really a lesser known field. There's only about six or 7,000 of us. So there's really in the whole U S there's mm-hmm. really not that many. Um, 
you know, that's that's a few hundred per state. Like, yeah. that that's not very many. Um, and so the idea is, if I'm going to give you, <laughs> in school they teach us, get your elevator speech ready, right? Because yeah. people are going to see your shirt, they're going to be like, what's music therapy? Mm-hmm. So um, I always start with the basis that music therapy is the use of music to address things that are not musical in nature. So that's where I start. So whether that's depression, depression is not musical in nature. Finding positive coping skills, that's not musical in nature. Um, You know, uh, increasing motor movement, not musical in nature. Increasing spontaneous speech, Mm -hmm. again, not musical in nature. However, all of these things can be addressed through music. And um, it should also be added that true music therapy is research and Mm evidence-based. No matter your philosophy, it should be research and evidence-based. There's a lot of push in the community right now. In fact, I just posted on my page about meeting with my state representative, but there's a lot of push in the community right now for standardized licensure. We have our own board, but right now in Texas specifically, anybody could be like, hey, I'm a music therapist. And some people would say, okay, that's fine, and they could come in and practice, but we have a code of ethics, we mm-hmm. have a code of standards, we have research and we have credentials that we have to follow mm-hmm. to make sure we're providing adequate care for these these people. And um, a lot of music therapists have spent a good portion of their career fighting for our, our credentials to be recognized and required. Because otherwise, you know, you can get Joe Blow off the street who says, well, I got a guitar and I can sing and I'm going to sing a song with this kid. Well, okay, so in my mind, say you're working with a kid who's been abused in a traumatic situation. You're, you're not going to go sing some Carrie Underwood songs mm-hmm. because that's just not going to work out very well. Um, you know, taste and ethics and knowing, <laughs> yeah. knowing what's appropriate at what time is really important for your job. Um, also... A lot of people walk into kids with special needs and say, well, they're cognitively six months old, so I'm going to sing baby songs. Okay, well, if I'm a 15-year-old, I don't want to hear Row, Row, Row Your Boat. And and I don't have a way to tell you that I think you're dumb. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, that may not be the therapeutic way of saying it, sure. but, but, you know, truly that's what it is. And so knowing that, okay, what would a 15-year-old listen to? What What's popular right now? What is appropriate for them? Because, again, I don't want to get fired because I'm singing, like, some T-Pain or something yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, but what's appropriate for them and what's, what is going to facilitate their movement? So on top of that, we're a lot of times we're facilitating movement or facilitating speech. So I'm not going to choose rap music for a kid who has a speech delay. Mm-hmm. That's just not appropriate. Mm -hmm. However, I might choose a slower song that has an opportunity for a good musical lead-up, an increase in dynamics, a drastic Mm -hmm. drop-off, somewhere where that speech is on a 5-7 chord and we're ready to go, Mm -hmm. and then we drop off and the speech happens because it's so built up internally that they don't have any choice but right. but for the neurons to fire correctly and that speech to happen mm-hmm. um so again there's a lot of science in what we do but misconceptions <laughs> i sing their favorite songs for them um and again i might 
as a reward Mm -hmm. or as a you've worked really hard today or you chose your song so i'm going to sing it for you Mm -hmm. but i'm not just there to sing their favorite songs i'm um i'm not just there to let them bang on some drums Mm -hmm. i'm not just there to you know play a really fun xylophone game with them Mm -hmm. like everything i do has a reason and a goal behind it and there's a reason we're doing it there's a reason we're addressing it and i'm not just there to bring a guitar and something novel mm-hmm. you know while that's a great part of my job and it's an enjoyable part of my job that's not why i'm there i'm there to help you and to show improvement so i think a lot of people that have that i've talked to um are completely unaware of from from kind of the way i understand it is basically the entire back half of like undergraduate study um it's not just it's not like you're a musician who took a class and now you're a therapist it's <laughs> you're a therapist and yes you have musical you have probably have a musical background from even before you began undergraduate study um but i think a lot of people kind of miss the fact that you're first and foremost a therapist I would say yes to that. There's some people in the music therapy field who might argue with you. Mm-hmm. Um, again, philosophy, sure. right? Right. The the people who come from the philosophy of like the music is the therapy. First and foremost, they are a musician, right? Mm-hmm. But in my mind, um, I give a voice to the voiceless ninety percent of the time. That's one of the big things I'm passionate about. Is no matter what I do, probably ninety eight percent of the kids I have don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. So. I give a voice to the voiceless, and first and foremost, I'm there to watch their every move, see everything they're doing, observe them, get to know them, and if I see something, I'm their therapist first and foremost, I'm their voice, I am the person, for instance, I had a client yesterday, nonverbal, really hasn't had many successful therapists work with them, and um I just noticed they were off yesterday. Something wasn't right. So, and mom works out of the house. They have a respite provider that's there taking care of them. And mom was outside. I text mom. I said, is something going on? Are we getting sick? What What's happening here? And mom's, oh, well, she, or they, sorry. <laughs> they were out of town for a couple days. And they're back. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So they're just getting back in the swing of things. Plus they're out of school this week. So, so that makes sense. Um. But to me, it's more important to be aware of those things for your your client and then provide the music um, and then provide the the interventions that are music um, music based. So um, I just I think um, <laughs> I think that's that's my my thing is a lot of people, yeah, Actually, many music therapists come in and uh, come into the school of music and they've only played guitar before or mm-hmm. they've toyed around with a piano and sing, you know, um, and they learn more about their instrument while they're in college than they ever have. Mm-hmm. For me, my primary was flute. Um, and it's actually kind of fun because uh, one of the conference things I went to this past spring was using your primary instrument in therapy sessions and how can you make it therapeutic and how can it address your goals and so for a lot of my clients we're working on auditory processing can you hear something and then relay it in a different way Mm -hmm. um 
you know, we're having a conversation. A lot of them just hear these words and it goes in one ear and out the other, literally. They just can't process. Mm-hmm. It's actually weird for me to be using so many words. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I usually uh, dull down my vocabulary quite a bit. And I feel like when I talk to um, my day-to-day friends, I have to think about what I'm saying because <laughs> I don't use as many words on a day-to-day basis. Um but, so like flute, I, I can integrate it here and there. So for instance, with my younger ones, I, I played a couple kids' songs, and they had to tell me which one it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used it for social appropriateness. Let's work on what happens if someone's playing an instrument or giving you a concert. How do you act appropriately? Because a lot of these kids, their parents do want to take them to stuff like that, and mm-hmm. they do want to bring them in the community. And... Um, so giving them any opportunity to be exposed to a sound that's different, mm-hmm. something that's different, um, and talking about what do we do when there's a pause in the music? We clap, or we, we do we hoop and holler? No, we do, you know, social appropriateness and being mm-hmm. aware of your surroundings and how to sit quietly. So I've used it for that. Um, I've also used it for tolerance, sound tolerance. Um, and that, again, is one of those things that we need licensure because if you don't know when it's appropriate to bring a specific instrument in or what timbres would be appropriate for your client yeah that's that's always that but i think it boils down to first and foremost your client is your utmost priority and their safety their well-being is your utmost priority and you happen to be a musician right and you should hone your musicianship skills and you should take the time to learn your instruments and take the time to have the best musical experience you can have. However, you're a therapist Mm -hmm. and you can never forget that when you walk in the room. That's, I, to me, because I know there's different philosophies for everything, but um, I know that there's also like some of the, I don't, I wouldn't be able to say with any accuracy how many generations, I guess, of, Music therapist. So, music therapy was established in the U.S. as a standard profession in 1950. Um, Okay. So, we're relatively young, but Mm -hmm. there are two or three generations in there. Um, I, you know, I don't want to generalize because I've met a lot of different philosophies. Mm -hmm. And I've met a lot of different generations of therapists. And I I find that the philosophies are pretty pretty intertwined and intermixed Mm -hmm. and... um, you get what you get, you know, it, it's really, I find it, it's more by region, actually, of mm-hmm. the U.S., you know, certain regions have certain philosophies, and that may come from schoolings more available, and certain schools take certain things, mm-hmm. um, also, it could come from the fact that, <laughs> here's a therapist to me, you know, <laughs> finding, finding all the little avenues, it could come from the fact that, um, down here, our fine arts education is based a lot in marching band and UIL mm-hmm. performance, where in other places it's more conservatory-type learning and learning mm-hmm. how to be a performer and that sort of thing. So yeah. that that may also have something to do with why certain philosophies develop in certain regions. Mm-hmm. So I, um, you know, I, I just... It is what it is, and, and I respect all the philosophies. I think there are tremendous values in each philosophy. Um, 
and we can learn a lot from each other and I think it's okay to kind of intertwine and know what client each philosophy would be appropriate for Mm -hmm. just knowing your clientele but for the majority of the clientele I work with um the cognitive behavioral approach meaning there's a reason there's a there's a reason you're making the decision you're making there's a reason you're making the behavior you're making so first we have to address the reason before we can address the behavior Mm -hmm. And normally once you address the reason, the behavior will subside and you can get where you need to get. But I find with my clientele, that tends to be the best way to go. Yeah. Is that, has there been any sort of like changes or, I mean, I know obviously with with widespread philosophy, um, there's always going to be some sort of variation and as people are developing new things, but have there been any like big big things change or big maybe points of legislation or points of public interest that have um, have changed I mean maybe even like since you've begun your study or that you're aware of you know I've seen a huge uh, jump in the neurologic music therapy so that's an additional certification and I would love to go get it but mm-hmm. I don't have a couple hundred dollars in my pocket right now to go get it Um, (laughs) but I've done a lot of research on the techniques and all that and so I do use some of the techniques in my studies uh, whether they're 100% textbook is you know different but I take a lot of their approaches but then I've seen a huge leap in the neurologic music therapy approach and that's because um Dr. Tout he's out of oh I don't want to say this wrong Norway or Germany he's across the pond over there yeah yeah across (laughs) the pond um he does amazing research of this is an exact textbook protocol you follow it every time and we're going to research and see if it's successful and it is and so i think the reason we're seeing such an increase in following is because that is i would venture to bet the most researched Mm -hmm. part of music therapy and the most researched approach to music therapy and he's gotten a lot of funding for different brain scans and things like that, so we can back that that thought process. Okay. Um, and it, it's all about how music makes the neurons fire in the brain and using d- different musical elements to get the desired results. Um, a lot of times there's no singing involved. <laughs> it's metronome. It's um, huh. drumming. Um, there are some that are, you know, there's certain techniques that are music-based or singing-based, but, um, like... Uh, which one is that? Um, RAS, rhythmic auditory stimulation, which I believe... I don't want to get this wrong. There's a lot of acronyms. We call it alphabet soup because mm-hmm. when you look through the handbook, it's just a ton of um, alphabet. But learning to walk again and talk again after a stroke mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so he's he's really big in rehab, uh, really big in the autism community because those are both neurologic issues. And so... Having that has been a big shift, I think, for a lot of people. Um, Out of Florida, we've seen a lot of really good stuff in NICU studies. Florida loves their NICU music therapists. (laughs) They love them a lot. Um, As a mom, I don't know that I could do NICU. I think I would get too emotionally involved. Yeah. And that's something you have to know about yourself as a therapist. What populations would you cross that boundary that you need to have Mm -hmm. and in schooling we learn about this we learn about the different psychological philosophies and learning that when you're a therapist there are going to be boundaries and you have to know those boundaries and you have to know when 
you have to say enough's enough and you can't take that. So. Mm-hmm. The, I, I'm sure I'll, I I will always end up circling back because I'll, I'll either think of something or no no you're fine something. you're fine and I circle so, <laughs> so so let's just make a bunch of circles it'll be great um I am I'm always curious um when I think I think people that are performers and even to a certain extent some educators are. It's either it's either kind of their story is kind of a given or um, it's been well documented already. Performers, I think, are are people that people know about performers because the podcast medium would not exist if it weren't for performers talking about themselves, <laughs> stories, why they're doing what they're yeah. doing. Um, educators, I think, to a certain extent, because some of them are also um, performers to the same degree. Um, but one of the other misconceptions I have, or I've, I have heard about, um, music therapists is, is sort of the origin story. And it's, I'm not even going to go into it because I hear a lot of the same thing about, um, composers and it's, it's just derogatory and kind of mean. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to say what I think uh, most people think about, you know, at least from my experience in school, but did you have did you have any like experience that that led you to think okay I'm I'm going into music therapy or um, <sighs> is it something you were exploring other options or what what led you to that? Uh, well, you know me, but obviously the people don't know me. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. I like the brain. I mm-hmm. like figuring out why people work and how they do what they do. Uh, but I could never have imagined giving up music. That was just a part of me that I couldn't imagine giving up. So my story's kind of, um, oh, roundabout. So <laughs> um, I am, I guess my sophomore year of high school, I thought to myself, I was going to be a music therapist. I googled psychology and music, the brain and music. And I found this music therapy thing. I learned that Sam Houston had a music therapy program. It was really well ranked. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So then I started talking to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think it's a common misconception that music therapists can't find jobs when really there's a shortage. Yeah. Uh, it's a common, it depends on where you live. So I had a professor tell me once I did get into it, um, he told me you can be picky about the population you work with or the location in which you work, but you cannot be picky about both. Hmm. And it's very true. Yeah. If you want a job, you can't be picky about both. And you have to be willing and flexible. I'm blessed that my husband can carry our insurance and do all that. And I can I can do my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the the uh, high school thing. So I, I told my band directors. I told my private lesson teachers. And they said, no. That's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, I had many people tell me no. Uh, the only one that was super supportive of it and thought it was a good idea was my choir teacher. Hmm. I had been in uh, AP theory and I had been in choir for about six months. I went to her and I said, um, listen, I really think this is where I should be. And she looked at me and said, you are that that's you. I've seen it. One of her best friends is a music therapist. Mm -hmm. She said, I've seen it. I, I know the personality. I know who you are. You're going to be a music therapist. I was like, okay, well probably not. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so probably not. I passed the AP theory exam of flying colors. I did really well. Okay, well, I'm going to be a band director. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. <laughs> Obviously, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> that's just... That's like... To me, that's like me being a band director almost. Yeah. I was I was very against that in, in high school. Sorry, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm going to be a band director. So I went up to Sam. Started this whole band director program. Everyone was proud of me. I was going to be a band director and educate the next slew of band directors and it was just yeah. gonna be I was gonna change the world um <laughs> and I got up there and I was miserable I was probably the most depressed I've ever been in my life and I looked around and all these freaking music therapy majors are having fun they're enjoying themselves what the heck <laughs> so I um that fall I need a little boy with a rare genetic disorder that they swore was deaf I swore he was deaf. He was two. Turned on bluegrass music and he'd stop what he was doing, stop throwing a fit, and he'd start dancing. But he was deaf. Mm-hmm. 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 And I remember vividly sitting there, picking up my phone, texting my then boyfriend, saying I'm changing my major, and emailing the uh, person over the department of music there mm-hmm. saying I want an interview I'm already in the music music program but I want an interview um, and that kind of started my journey um, I it took a few years but I pulled myself out of that depression <laughs> it took many years but I graduated mm-hmm. and I have rough days at work mm-hmm. but I never hate my job yeah and you know my grandmother used to always tell me there is a way to do what you love. You just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And um, it may take time. It may take some struggles. But there's a way to do what you love and you'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and she texted me the other day and she said, I told you, you know, you'd figure it out. You'll be <laughs> all right. Uh, so I do. I love what I do. Um, and now when people tell me, that they don't, they want to keep music in their life, but they also want to help people. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. But then I feel really sad for them when they don't become a music therapist because um, I've always also said, though, it has to be something you're a thousand percent passionate about. Yeah. Because if you're not, you'll get burnt out mm-hmm. and you won't know how to put your boundaries up and you'll just chase after it. And then you'll crash. Yeah. And it happens a lot in our field. Around three to five years, you see people just crash. And um, I think if you don't stay up to date research and you don't stay creative, that's a huge part of it. You don't take breaks and you don't get your time to be creative and you don't do that for yourself. I I think you will burn out. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are days you, you think of the perfect thing You go in and something goes really well. Or, my favorite, you go into a session with something planned and something totally different happens. Uh But it's successful. Yeah. And your client is successful. Mm -hmm. And the moment you can look at your client and be like, you did that. You did it. Yeah. You made that breakthrough. And sometimes they don't realize it and sometimes they do realize Mm -hmm. it. And I have a client who didn't have a voice and we've started working on giving him a voice and... 
when he realized he had a voice, he quit making angry audible sounds. So he can vocalize, he just doesn't have words. But he, he, he quit screaming, he quit screeching, and now he hums. Mm-hmm. And so that switch from, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm trying to tell you something, to now I can tell you what I want. Mm-hmm. Now I have a voice. That makes it worth it. I mean, you know, it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. We fought some days, but we're there, and we're yeah. good. Um, and he'll still have days he screeches and yells because he doesn't have a perfect communication system, mm-hmm. but he has more than he did. Yeah. So we can give him more good days now, and that's that's important. To yeah. Me. I, I, I get a little bit of that, um, you know, teaching, teaching one-on-one um, has, has been really illuminating for me. I, I, it, is, it is my opinion that the stakes for what I do are obviously quite a bit lower, but there's still, um, there's still a lot of growth that can happen as a person through, through music, whether it's in a therapeutic sense or not. Um, but like I said, just the stakes are lower. If I have a bad lesson, it's, it's different than, or if I have a good lesson, the kid may forget about it in an hour, but a good therapeutic session, um, I mean, but what I am, one of the reasons why I try to advocate and, and champion things that I'm, I'm passionate about, even if I'm not uh, personally facilitating them, one of the reasons why I um, I'm such a fan of music therapy and why I try to, to, to spread information and, and spread the word in general is just because um, my experience teaching, like if I have a student who I know could benefit from that, especially if they're a music student, I think that's really important. Um, but also given that I work with high school kids, um, they, they I'll, I'll ask them, you know, if their senior year is like, what are you doing next year? You know, you are you going to school? Are you going to go, go to work? Are you going to go to college, you go into trade school, you know, I, I try to tell them, like, there's all these different options that they can think about, um, because when I was in school, uh, as far as I knew, you could be a band director, or you could get an English degree, and, <laughs> and some of it was, I was a terrible student and didn't listen to many people, but also I was in a program where I was one of 400 people at any given year. <laughs> but just just like when when you were in high school, I I've tried to be the person who was like who would never say no unless someone was like I'm gonna do things because it's destructive. Very rarely is that the case. But if someone's like I want to go be an AC mechanic, I'm like sweet, go yeah. do that. Yeah. Go go to trade school and make some money doing it. If someone's like I don't know, I like to help people and I want to keep playing music. That's when I was in school. I didn't get that. I didn't yeah. know because it's. I could have seen myself doing that. Yeah, I've told you a million times. <laughs> um, um, I yeah, that's a good point. I I was really lucky to have a dad um, who was a in the picture and b he um, he was an educator. His PhD was in curriculum and education, mm-hmm. so his whole passion was finding a fit job for you. That doesn't mean go to college. That right. doesn't mean. Um, in fact, my little brother got a associate's degree mm-hmm. and went to mechanic school. And we love him, and he's in way less debt than I am. So, <laughs> so uh, he probably did it right. Uh, my older brother has taken a few years to get his associates, and he's um, an animator and a graphic designer. So we're all kind of sporadic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I was lucky to have parents, even my mom, you know, my mom played flute in high school, but that's about the extent of her, her musical knowledge. Mm-hmm. My dad played auto harp and took auto harp lessons. Nice. Yeah. That was the extent of his oh, wow. musical knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think it was in choir in eighth grade or something, but like that. so, but my extended family was really musical and, um, my grandparents both on my mom's side, my grandfather played piano in the Navy and, oh, wow. um, spent months on months on a boat and playing piano for them. And it's funny, he's 80 now mm-hmm. and oh, I can't play. I'm rusty and hunched over. He'll sit down at a piano. He'll straighten up and break out this beautiful ragtime sure. piece. And he'll be like, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> you know, you know. We're like, really? Was it? <laughs> you just played 13 notes at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with 10 fingers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but I was blessed to have a family that you want to do it, you better do it the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't care what you do. Yeah. Just do it amazingly. And I think... Um, luckily the world has had more educators like my dad in the past 10 years Mm -hmm. that have really gotten to high schoolers and have gotten in that field of, and like you, I mean, even private lesson teachers who are like, go do it. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want to do, go do it. And, um, I think the world is getting a lot more educators. My husband's one of them. He, you know, asks, what do you want to do? And they said, well, I don't know. He's like, well, you better figure something out. You got to do something, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, no matter what you do, it better be something, and you better do it to the best of your ability. And I think, even like you said, you teach private lessons, and having an educator that's like that mm-hmm. is way more important than um, anything else. And having people that know that there's so many different fields you can go into. And even if you go into a super specialized field, that's okay, mm-hmm. as long as you're passionate about it, and as long as it's something you're going to be able to do the rest of your life. Yeah. So... That's, that's, that's something that helps. I tried, because if I had a couple of kids uh, for, at my, in my Virginia school that were saying that they had a couple of things specifically they wanted to do. Uh, several of them were like, I want to go march drum corps. And I was like, okay, here's, here's the process for that. I'm, yeah. I know that process pretty well. Um, and I think, as a matter of fact, I think three or four of them just got their contract for their second season. Awesome. So, like, they're, they're killing it. Um, but then, you know, one, one of the guys was like, well, um, you know, I, I think I might want to go into the military, maybe play music in the military um, after high school. I said, okay, that's not something that I have um, very much experience in. I know, I know how to audition, but I don't know what they're looking for. But I said, but give me a sec. Let me get my contacts. Yeah. yeah. So, um, as a matter of, there's, there's a really popular YouTube channel, guys in the um, Marine Drum and Bugle Corps. Well, you know Key Harbin. Yeah, Kia yeah. Harvin. So Kia Harvin's the he's the center quad player, but the guy the guy next to him, uh, dude's name's Eric Carr. Okay. Um, he makes these fantastic drumline videos. He's I would I would call it a comedy channel. <laughs> um, but which is really funny considering the dude's he's a marine. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have really big personalities. Yes. You know. And this dude, but he he made a couple of really awesome videos. He was like, "Here's how I auditioned to be in the Commandant awesome. Zone. Here's here's when I auditioned to be in the Old Guard, Fife and and Bugle or uh, Fife and Drum Corps. Golly, I'm gonna mess that name up, but it's whatever. Yeah, he, yeah. He broke down that process and then like wrote about how he got in. Then when he did get in, here's how boot camp went. 
um, and that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, um, no, I haven't, I haven't yet shared it with my those kids. But that's the kind of thing. Like, I'm, I know a little bit more than I did last time, and so now I'm going to go share that. Right. Um, and I think that's, um, I think that's super important. And I, I think that there's so many things that are on this slate of things that you're you're destined to do and a lot of the college counselors like the, at the high school I worked at the college counselors were like well you can go get a, a business degree or you can go get an engineering degree and you could you should go to A&M because it's the only school and I'm like, obviously um and I was like some of these kids have <laughs> well we'll say have no interest in that are are talented don't have the in, money in, or money can we talk about how much debt you and I are both in <sighs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just finishing up a master's in composition. Like, so. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, realistically, that that's the truth, is we tell these kids to go get in the dollars $70,000 worth of debt if you go to a cheap school. And some of them will never use the degree. And I think it's um, insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's the nice term. Is, yeah. Um, you know, luckily you and I are passionate and innovative enough to use our degrees. I'm living probably the closest thing to the American dream now. Yeah. You know, I, st- <laughs> I established my own business. I'm drowning in debt. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's no. very nice. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll be able to pay off my debt. I'll be able to mm-hmm. to have a successful business and do stuff like that. And um, But I had to research it. I had mm-hmm. to dig deep and figure out how I wanted to do this. Did I want to go into a program that would pay off my student loans? Did I want to go into a program that, you know, I'd work a nine to five? What what did I want to do? Mm-hmm. And how was I going to do that? And um, I had a really great internship supervisor who was also a mom and had her own business. Mm-hmm. And she was raw with me, you know, of like, this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And this is how it feels. And these are the things you have to think about if you're going to have your own private practice. And she's still a great mentor to mm-hmm. me. Uh, she is, <laughs> there's been several times I've called her and been like, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Because she's been doing this longer than yeah. I mean, she's been doing this 11, 10, 10 or 11 years. I mean, she's she's outlived a lot of other music therapists in this field and she's she's a wealth of knowledge she's just amazing um and having those resources available to you whether it's an educator or someone in the field or someone in a different field you know i have a lot of friends who are licensed private counselors i Mm -hmm. have um friends who are different types of therapists pts ot's um and then I have my musician friends who who are, you know, there's several times I text you and I'm like, hey, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I think it's also no matter what field you go into, it's also about being humble enough to ask. Yeah. And be like, yeah. how do I address this? How do I deal with this? You know, so. Yeah, that's that's huge having having a, a network of, of resources that's I mean I've no matter what you're doing I hate the term you, networking but you really have to <laughs> well it's it's one of those things like um, my girlfriend sent me a text message yesterday um, and I've so I've, I've been working for the studio down in sort of in the Katy yeah. area uh, but then one of my one of my friends from undergrad is apparently still floating around Huntsville you know two hours away so um, he was like, hey, do you want to come teach lessons? And I, I asked the folks I'm working for, and they said, yeah, it's it's 
really far away. We're not, it's not competing. Business. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. So I've been talking to this guy, and my girlfriend sends me a text message. She's like, hey, she sent me a screenshot of, hey, do you know John Patty? <laughs> and I was like, do I know cool. him? <laughs> so that is, that's one of the only times I've ever actually seen it be like a net work. So me to this guy, and then this guy to her. Yeah. That's, that's kind of cool. And I agree that it's, it gets a little cringy, um, but there's, there's certain due diligence I think you kind of have to do. Um, but I've, I've shared that with like, like the undergrad composers. And I think I've even, I've got a, I've got a draft for a, a future episode about it. I've talked a little bit about it when I'm like writing, um, marching band shows, like how communication is really important, uh, kind of putting yourself out there, making yourself available. I think therapists really, really sometimes, <coughs> pardon my language, but really suck at, <laughs> at the self promo thing yeah. because it, it does not come as second nature to us. I mean, like you said, performers are really good about talking about themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, I did this. I performed with this group, and mm-hmm. I played this, whatever. And, you know, and we're all like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but therapists, I guess a lot of times we don't... Um, I was talking to my business friends about this because they were like, you got to promote yourself more. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm doing anything. You know, like, we're, we're really at the risk of sounding <laughs> sounding uh, narcissistic. We're really humble people, for the most part. I agree with that. We're, you know, you go to conference and people... <laughs> I love conference, because people are like... You know, you see these big names who worked with these big people, and we're, we're all like, oh, and then you talk to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, man, it's I don't know what to do. And you're like... What do you mean you don't know what to do? You know, you, you, you what? You have problems, you know, so, um, but we're really humble people and we don't, we put our clients' success before ourselves Mm -hmm. and, um, we don't, we almost, and I don't know if I'm speaking for the whole therapeutic population, but a majority of therapists I've seen and dealt with don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I helped so-and-so get here. That's mm. not something we ever say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know a lot of band directors. I love them. I'm married to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's probably the abnormal one. But And you could tell me you've dealt with a lot more band directors than I have. But a lot of band directors are like, oh, I have five kids that are band directors now. Or I have ten kids that are band directors. Now. Like, there's a tally. I, I had three that went into perform. you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's this tally. Uh, therapists, we're not a regenerative. We've had this conversation. Mm-hmm. We're not a regenerative population. Yeah. So we don't walk around going, oh, I have 18 therapists now. And they're all <laughs> working for this hospital and that. Like, 99% of the clients we see will never be therapists. And we'll never think of being therapists. Mm-hmm. Um. And a big portion of our schooling is learning how to advocate for ourselves and how to advocate for our profession, Mm -hmm. since it is so unknown to a lot of people. We say we're unicorns, you hear about us, but you never (laughs) see us, right? Um, Or a Loch Ness Monster, depending on your perception of us, it just really depends. Or the day you see us, you know, some days we look like a unicorn, some days we look like a Loch Ness Monster, it really just depends. Um, 
Today I'm probably closer to the Loch Ness Monster, but that's because it's paperwork day. Um, I mean, I had I had a concert last night, so I'm in sweatpants and an oversized hoodie today. I'm yeah. right there with you. I don't think I'm wearing socks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it just... Um, we're not a regenerative field, and so it's not in our nature to promo ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've talked to a lot of my friends who got who went into business or this or that, and we've talked and they're, you know, you got to promo yourself more. And I'm lucky my mom owned her own business. Mm-hmm. My, I watched my mom get laid off and build her business from the ground up because mm-hmm. she's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to let this ruin me. And she did. And she has a really successful accounting business mm-hmm. in Magnolia. Gina B. Clark, CPA. You know? yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, but she, she has a very successful accounting business. She used to be an accountant for Minute Maid. Um, oh, wow. downtown that was her first career and then she decided she wanted to be a mom she went to a smaller smaller business and then they you know got hit hard in 2000 or the 08 recession one of those two mm-hmm. where the market dropped and they got hit hard and had to lay her off and she was like nope and she she started out of our garage mm-hmm. five clients and then she took a leap of faith and hired someone and she she has just built it from the ground up. So I'm lucky that I had that. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of business knowledge. Um, because if you're going to go into private practice, you have to be able to separate your therapist self from your business self. Yeah. And that's a huge part of it. Is um, If people don't pay their bills, you can't keep seeing them. And right. you have to be able to separate that. And it's unfortunate and it really sucks. Um but that's a part of business mm-hmm. and you have to be able to say, you know, yes, the kid deserves it, but the parents also have to pay the bills and right. you have to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough to see my mom go through all that and see the struggles she went through. So I came in with a really level head, a really solid business plan of how I was going to do stuff and Lord willing, it will continue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always say God laughs at my plans, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Lord willing, it will continue and it will continue to grow. I've been blessed this far to have really good growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't even started the shameless promo yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, we're getting there. Uh, it's, it's a process. And business is a whole different side of therapy that you don't get to see. There's the therapist side and then there's the, okay, take a different hat, put this one back on the yeah. rack and put on the business hat and let's do invoicing and let's do tax deductions and let's do all that nonsense um and that's something they touch on in school and by that i mean they sneeze it on you and walk away um (laughs) so a lot of people don't go into their own business because they see it as daunting Mm -hmm. and it is but again luckily my mom's an accountant so i'm like "Eh." (laughs) and i just kind of push the stuff and she helps me and um she helped me set up my llc and you know, um, learning how to get malpractice insurance and learning all that stuff is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole... I feel like I'll go to sleep and wake up next year and I'll be like, oh, I did all that. Like, at some point, I did something, yeah. right? Um, because before I know it, I will have been in practice for a year and it will all have rolled over and it will have gone. Because I feel like I was just sitting in July going, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like... I don't have anybody. And I feel like I get to that point now where I'm like, oh, I need more people. Like, mm-hmm. I need I need clients. I need that. And then uh, about two weeks or three weeks after that, 
a wave will hit. I'm just <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to fit all these people in my schedule. Yeah. And I sit there and I crunch times, I crunch maps, I... I rearrange, I apologize to parents for rearranging, I do all this stuff, and then I get in that routine, and then the next wave hits. Mm -hmm. And so it just, um, it's a really interesting cycle, uh, the business aspect of it. And I think all my friends and my husband would agree that's the part that exhausts me the most. Actually, no, that's not the part that exhausts me the most. The part that exhausts me the most is a part we don't like to talk about, which is um, parents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are going to be some awesome parents. There are going to be the parents that you're like, man, you're a rock star. I don't know how you wake up every day and do this, but mm-hmm. you are uh, just awesome. You're a great parent. You're doing it. And then there are the parents you have to fight. Mm-hmm. There's two types of parents. There's the parents that don't fight for their kids ever. And are just complacent with the situation. Yeah. Which I, I could, you know, we talked earlier about families that have multiple kids with disabilities. Yeah. And I could see how you get complacent and depressed and overwhelmed. Because first you have your first kid, and you're like, okay, well, maybe not with the next one. And then you have your next one, you're like, okay, we'll deal with that mm-hmm. as it comes. And then you have another one. and Or you marry into a family with two dis disabled children or children who have different disabilities and mm-hmm. it's overwhelming or you have one with a really severe disability mm-hmm. and you end up being a nurse without a nursing degree yeah. and um, there's so many families that go through this and I could see how you can become complacent but if I could tell anything to those families it's don't become complacent um, if you don't think your kid's getting the right care fight Mm-hmm. But also, on the flip side of that, don't ever fight, or don't extremely fight professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't claim to be a professional. If you disagree with what they're doing, ask them to mm-hmm. show you the research. Ask them to show you why they're doing what they're doing and mm-hmm. how they came up with the goals for your kid and, and try to understand it that way. But don't come at it as a, I know more than you. Mm-hmm. Because chances are in their field, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had all of the above. Yeah. I've had every single one of the above, and it's it's an exhausting battle to have um, because sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen this as an educator, and I know educators see this, sometimes you end up being the parent, and that's exhausting. Yeah. Um, but for that hour on there, I'll do what I have to do for that client. Um, if it's a safety, health, or... Um, safety, health, or general emergency, I'll, I'll go past my hour. Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially to be a voice to those that need it. Yeah. But if it's just a general parenting thing, I'm there for an hour and I'll do what I can. Mm-hmm. You know, and hopefully the parents carry over my strategies and my techniques, but um, sometimes they don't. And then it's a battle again the next week. And I just have to prepare myself for that. So so there are downsides to my job. There are. Mm-hmm. It's not always the happy, they made their goals, they did it. Um, yesterday was a lot of, no, my words are, you know. Uh, I said, and this is not a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big one. <laughs> 
I have some uh, kiddos who have words, who have that, and I, this is not, let's make a deal. <laughs> My words were, and um, a lot of people see that as harsh, but with some of these kids, you have to be black and white. Mm-hmm. You can't be, well, come on, let's, you know, because that's too much for them. Yeah. They need it as this or this. Those are your choices. There are no other choices, so pick one. And um, that's, a, that's, again, very behavioral-based. Mm-hmm. But um, I've found it to be a really good technique. I don't like being that person. Because um, if I were, if I had it my way, I'd be the happy, fun-time music lady. But, <laughs> um, but I'm not. And that's not my job. That's not why I'm paid. Mm-hmm. Um, the big bucks, as they say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 um but that's not why I'm paid. That's not what I'm paid to do. I'm, I'm paid to help you. Mm-hmm. And I will do whatever I have to do to help you. And um, that's somewhere you also have to be prepared to go as a therapist. If you're in this field. Mm-hmm. If you're in the rehab field, go for it. Um, but I've recently, and if you need to interrupt me, you can. But I, I told you I could talk about this yeah, for hours. Yeah, that's, um, that's what we're here. <laughs> um, Split it into eight parts. <laughs> um, I recently signed on to contract with uh, the Youth Empowerment Services, which is a really amazing program. I had to do so many additional trainings, and I'm fighting for continuing <laughs> credits for <laughs> Oh, we're talking close to 30 hours of additional training. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but these are kiddos, 3 to 18, that the state pays for. They pay nicely. The state mm-hmm. is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, very generous in this program. Um, but the state pays for them, and these kiddos have been in inpatient psychiatric facilities. They've been in outpatient psychiatric facilities, and there's nothing that's working. Hmm. And we're talking 3 to 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the it's a community-based service, which I think is super cool. Um, and you see them in their environment, whatever environment that is, and they do a program called Wraparound, where every month, parents, team, every therapy they get, every psych they get, everybody is included on this. Mm-hmm. And you, you wrap around the kid, and you're there to, they will pay for as many hours as you need. They will do what they, luckily I don't get the behaviors from them. I'm there to teach them a leisure skill, positive coping skills. We're there to do, because most of these kids are emotionally disturbed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not special needs most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had abuse and trauma, and they need love. They yeah. need lots of love, whether yeah. that's hard love or soft love. You know, they need love. Yeah. Um, and so I'm there to teach them leisure skills, teach them coping mechanisms all through music, which as you know, and I know, and probably most people listening to this music is a good leisure skill. Yeah. It's a good coping mechanism. Um, you, you can't go shoot up a skill school if you're playing piano, you know, you can't, uh, can't cut yourself if you're playing guitar. Mm -hmm. You, and, um, if you know how to appropriately use that, that's a good thing. Or to be, to be cognizant of yourself enough to say, hey, look, I need 10 minutes and go work on my ukulele skills, get my mind off of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a really interesting phenomenon that's been researched recently is that music cannot coexist with pain. Um, if you're fully entrenched in music, you can't feel pain. And if you're fully entrenched in pain, you really can't focus on music. Um, and they're not sure why. It's a new research that's happening. But th these kiddos feel pain in a completely different way than the other kiddos I see. Mm -hmm. And this pain is not something you can bandage. It's something that's going to take a lot of work. Mm -hmm. If an inpatient psych facility has not worked for them, yeah, you know we're we're at the last call. We're at the last line of defense, and um, it's a really cool program, though. And I like those kids a lot. Yeah, you know, I mean, I like all my clients. Yeah. I really do. Um, but. I think you have to have a level of compassion as a therapist where you, or empathy, we discuss it as empathy, where you can look at a student and say, okay, yeah, you need help. Like, and you can put yourself in their shoes and imagine the pain they're feeling, but then you're able to detach yourself enough to say, okay, here are the steps we have to take mm -hmm. to get you to function and to get you in a good life, mm -hmm. you know, because um, that's the goal. The end goal is... You know, we have minimal, we have little goals, <laughs> increased communication, sure. positive leisure skills, uh, decreased agitation, mm -hmm. you know, um, all those things. But really the end goal is for you to be a functioning part of society, especially for those kids. Because <coughs> they yeah. can. Yeah. And they will. It's just a process. It seems like uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunities that come out... Um, Maybe that weren't like explicitly covered in school. I know that's that's this, it's the same for me. You talked a little bit about like business and stuff, um, but I don't know. A lot of the things that I feel like a lot of the things you've discussed are things that are like well, they they prepare you for the first step of this, but once you're actually into it, you kind of have to think on your feet a little bit. <laughs> you know, and I don't think it's the schooling's fault. To be completely honest, of course, yeah, you, um, you can't completely. They they cover have that. four and a half or five years to throw us into this really complex field, mm -hmm. so they're just trying to teach you the skills to survive. Mm -hmm. um, we've tried, <laughs> we've tried many a time to fight with, um, to fight with our board, mm -hmm. and. Um, tell our board that we, we really should be a graduate entry, but there, there's a lot of layers to that, you know? There's a lot of layers of graduate level entry and what that would look like and how do you phase it out and how do you phase it in and what what are we looking at there, you know? And can, is, it, is it possible financially for what we're getting paid for someone to get a graduate degree and survive? Probably not. Um, so you just have to take it as you will you know there were faults with my schooling mm -hmm. and I've talked to people about it and I, I I feel like depending on the school you go to they either cater to you as a musician or as a therapist but they don't know how to find the right balance mm -hmm. and, and um, we're a small field so you gotta take what you can get and our school did the best they could at providing us with the necessary skills to get out there and be successful in any environment um and do I think you should have to choose your environment before? No. Um, internship is really all about that. Yeah. Internship is all about um, honing your skills and deciding what you want to do. 
I went into a private practice internship because it fit my lifestyle and also because I thought I was pretty sure that's what I wanted to do, but I needed to make sure before I took money and dove into it. And Mm -hmm. luckily my internship confirmed that that's what I wanted to do. A lot of people get into it and they're like, oh, oops. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people go into hospitals and they either love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a friend who interned in a hospice and it burnt her out. Yeah, I I have a friend who interned in a hospital, and she realized, oh, I want to be a physical therapist. I don't want to be a music therapist. Hmm. Um, she's like, I really don't like the music part of this. And interesting, fabulous musician. Mm-hmm. I mean, kick her in her butt. Right? <laughs> like, why? Um, then I have a friend who went on to get her. She's up at saying getting her grad degree now, and she's fantastic person and she's going to go back into the to working for someone um she doesn't want to have her own private practice so i think it just depends it really just depends on the person and i think internships are not standardized enough um i have a friend or an acquaintance rather who his his internship supervisor held his his letter saying he was done until he memorized 45 songs in three different keys each. And uh, I don't think that's okay. That's pretty that's intense. I don't think that's okay. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I've heard horror stories about internships like that. Um, my internship supervisor was reasonable. She pushed me. My musicianship skills were not where they needed to be. Um, and she pushed me. And I am a way better musician now than I was. And I'm so grateful for her. Mm-hmm. But she was also a vocalist. I've never had any form of vocal training in my life. And you expect me to sing every day? Like, I was terrified. Yeah. You know, I had friends that picked on me for singing out of key and stuff. And, you know, but I did. Not mm-hmm. not in the music school, but, like, in my other life. Yeah. And, and then coming into this and somebody being like, well, you have to sing every day. I'm like, I'm self-conscious. What am I supposed to do? And nobody's teaching me and I don't know how to do this. And, you know, musicianship class in school only teaches you so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look, you add that with anxiety and other things. And I was freaked out. Yeah. But she took the time. And she believed in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had people try to give me the tough love approach. Of like, oh, you're, if you don't figure this out, you're never going to do it. You know, but my supervisor looked at me and said, no, you can do this. And you will do this. We're going to rip it down to basics. Because mm-hmm. singing, playing guitar, thinking about chords, all this stuff that's foreign to you and putting it together and then trying to lead someone, that's a whole nother level of, of crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, and she she said, you're just going to play downstrums. You're going to play three chord songs and you're going to be fine. And I did for two weeks. And then all of a sudden, I felt like I could sing again. And mm-hmm. I felt like I could play guitar. And I felt like I could do everything. And did I have all those skills from my schooling? Yes. Did I know how to put them together? Nope. And so schooling did a really good job of prepping me. Mm-hmm. But schooling is also um, catered toward kids who have... I, I firmly believe there's like three types of musicians, right? There's those that have really natural-born talent. Mm-hmm. And I mean just natural-born they don't have to practice. They don't have to do anything. Yeah. They are just ridiculously good musicians and something happened. Mm. Very rare, but there are some. Mm-hmm. Then there are some that are natural born and practice. Yeah. 
And those are your guys that are in conservatories. Those are your guys that, you know, just amazing. Yeah. And then there are some that have minimal talent but practice their butts off. Yeah. That was me. I, you know, didn't have... My brothers are ridiculous. Both of them. They could pick up any instrument and learn it in two minutes. Oh, yeah, I could play this. It's fine. (laughs) You know. um, I think my husband is the middle one. He practiced a lot. Um, I would get mad at him. (laughs) Full disclosure. Um, He practiced a lot, but he also had a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, And still does. Still does. But um, I was the one... In sixth grade, I threw my flute across the room because I was like, I can't figure this out. Like, but I'm stubborn. Yeah. I, my friends will tell you that. You know, they, my friends will tell you I'm probably one of the most stubborn people they've ever met. Um, you would probably say the same thing. I'm a pretty darn stubborn person. Um, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And there's probably no changing my mind unless you give me a really good reason. Um, so I went into the schooling and it was intense and it was a lot and it was overwhelming and it felt like a lot of word and chord vomit all at once and learning musical terms and also psychology and trying to keep it all straight in my cluttered brain was a lot but now that I'm out in the field I realize I know a lot more than I thought I do um and I don't know if you can relate to that as a composer but it's I mean, there is, there are sometimes, and it, it, it happens more around the time of like a commission, like commission season for me personally is like marching band season or indoor winter guard or uh, drum line. But I do realize like um, when, we're, when I'm talking like show design and uh, the, the person I'm working with will say, okay, I want this feel. And I think about it, I was like, oh man, like how do I get, I was like, oh wait, I know 15 scales that will very clearly evoke this thing, and I know f- the instruments to pair with it, and um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have that some of the time, um, but as it's not, composition isn't necessarily my day-to-day thing, I guess I, I also have that in, in like drum set land, which is where I make another big chunk of my money, um, as far as my, my income goes, uh, I that's a little different. I haven't actually had any like formal drum set training. Like, oh really? Of, I did I did percussion in high school, but oh, I, you were voice in college, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so a lot of my drum set stuff I picked up by uh, watching good drummers and listening to a bunch of good music and playing any gig I could get jazz musicals it's really funny because like my brain associates you with percussion for some reason well a lot of people it's it's that way for a lot of people um even and actually like so my last all of my collegiate performance experience almost all of it has been vocal or choral um and then everyone's like oh yeah he plays drums too but then when i leave sam everyone's like you sing i'm like yeah, yeah, I don't want degrees, partially. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is, it's kind of fun existing in both of those worlds. But now I, I realize that too, um, just general musicianship stuff too, I realize, man, I'm, I'm better off than I thought I was. I, I don't give myself very much credit, but... Um, I think it's easy as a musician to get in your head. Yeah. Because you're around all these amazing musicians. 
I mean, you could go to a mediocre school and you're going to be around some really good musicians. Yeah. And then you go to a really good school and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, you know? Um, so I think it's really easy to get in your head about your skills and your skill set. And and do I know all these chords, cadences, every, do I know it? Like, yeah. And then you get out and you're like, oh, I do know it. I should have just taken a breath and stepped back and I would have been fine. Mm. But I think it's so easy to get in your head about it and to compare yourself. And um, I, I realized that about myself a lot because my internship, I was so far removed from other musicians other than my internship supervisor that I realized I knew a lot more than I did. And now being in private practice, where well, I'm not around a musician day to day. I mean, my husband, mm-hmm. but we don't talk music. Mm-hmm. Like that, that stays at the door because mm-hmm. we drive ourselves nuts. Yeah. Um, every now and again, we hear a song, we're like, oh, that was nice. You know, or, or that was a, different cadence we're like oh we're nerds we're cute all right and then we move on right um or we'll listen to a good piece of it oh that's really strong or my husband will go perform and do something out of the ordinary and he'll be really passionate about it and excited about it and i try to entertain that a little bit um but other than that i'm really not around musicians yeah and so i find myself allowing myself to experiment more um, and allowing myself to explore a little bit more than I did when I was in college and explore my instruments and try things. Mm-hmm. And if they don't work, great. And I, I don't feel as pressured mm-hmm. of like, I'm going to try this drum pattern. And if it doesn't work with this song, oh, well, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> um, but in college, I felt so pressured to know 18 different strum patterns and know exactly which songs they lined up, you know, and know chord patterns and alternate fingerings and this and that. And I don't ever play bar chords. Ever. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, like, I... And I found out my cable was my best friend. And, like, you know... I was telling you earlier, I play everything in the key of C on ukulele because I only play ukulele with kids. And the best range to sing with kids is C. And so... I... I think leaving college was actually better for me than being in college, in a way. It gave me, college gave me the foundation I needed, gave me the kickstart I needed, but leaving, I've learned, um, I've freed myself a lot more to learn what I need to learn. Yeah. Mentally, I think. Um, so yeah, that, that's my little spiel in college. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's the idea that all these old people try to tell us. Right, that freaking boomers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. There's a lot of knowledge in um, older generations, but I felt like I had to put that in there. Yeah, but that's obligatory at this yeah, point. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's... I know... Because I, some of the people that, that listen to this are either in school or maybe just, just graduated, and they're like, well... Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't ready. They didn't give me everything I needed. It's like, of course not. That's not a thing. That's part of life. Yeah. If you don't mess it up, you're not doing it right. And they can't. Like these people. I mean, these people are are working their job. They can't make. They're it. underpaid for what they're doing oh. anyway. <laughs> not only are they underpaid, it's public knowledge about how drastically underpaid they are. You can look up... It's public knowledge how drastically underpaid they are and how drastically we're overpaying for school, and somehow there's a disconnect. Well, you know, football. Oh, sports ball. Sports, sports ball. <laughs> yeah. Yay, sports ball. My there's, sports ball room. There's a YouTuber I watched, and he sells a hoodie, and it just says sports. And <laughs> <laughs> I really want one, because, like, that's how I feel. <laughs> it's, 
I, and he was like, it's the hoodie for when you just want free food. <laughs> right? Exactly. Oh, you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, but but um, there is a disconnect. And um, music school's not cheap. Um, I learned a lot. And I felt like I was surrounded by people who were way more knowledgeable um, in their craft. And they were so underpaid for what they're doing, you know. We say that a lot about teachers, but really these people, PhDs and multiple PhDs and just so incredibly brilliant. Um, and sometimes you take that for granted because they're, they're really smart. Yeah. They're really, like our piano professors should not be teaching beginner college piano. I feel sorry for them. Um, our music therapy professors, man, they do so much research and they're so well-rounded um people such well-rounded people and i think we take that for granted you know our band directors know a lot too they they know a ton of instruments and Mm -hmm. to know that much be able i guess people think the same about music therapists right to like be able to improvise with someone who has no musical skill is really probably a talent um Mm -hmm. that some people would say which i don't think it is but some might say um so, my band directors, they knew so many instruments. And they had all that to juggle. And, you know, we talked earlier about how there are um, there's some people who don't know about music therapy and don't promote it and don't educate about it or trash it, right? But really, they have so much else on their plate that how can we expect them to know that this field exists um i've talked about this at conferences too of how how can we expect people to know our field exists if we're not regenerating it ourselves and um you know that's that's why i'm passionate about advocating as well as serving you Mm -hmm. know um it's just as much a joy to watch someone learn about music therapy as it is to perform music Mm -hmm. therapy so um it's actually surreal now. My friends are like, you're the therapist. And I'm like, oh, I guess I am. <laughs> you know. Um, my dad, I said earlier, he has his PhD in education and curriculum. He's always like, well, I'm the wrong kind of doctor. <laughs> so. so uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. We'd be like, you're the doctor. He's like, ah, I'm the wrong kind. <laughs> um so now my friends, you're the therapist. No, I'm the wrong kind. Not really. I love my <laughs> job. I, I've thought about going back and getting um, an LPC, a license to counsel, because mm-hmm. um, I like that stuff. But that that's down the road, I think. Um, but that would be fun. Um, I also like learning strategies to counsel. I, I feel like you're never done learning. Um, and it's best if you mess yourself up and not your clients. So, I mean... I've a conversation I I think is always really fascinating uh, is about therapists going to therapy. Oh, I one hundred percent go to therapy. Uh, you know this. Yeah. I I'm also a, a major advocate for medicine. Mm-hmm. Like, if you need meds, go talk to a professional. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think you cannot control yourself and you've been to counseling, you've tried other methods, go talk to a professional. Mm-hmm. Seek out a good professional though, because mm-hmm. there are some that are pill factories. Yeah. But but um, 
you know this, I, I have clinical anxiety, like, and I'm not afraid to admit that because I don't think it should be stigmatized. My parents, if they listen to this, are cringing right now. They're like, please don't tell her. Um, <laughs> they know now. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't think it should be stigmatized mm-hmm. because I've been on a maintenance dose of medication for years, and I know when I'm in a bad place, and I, I take the steps to improve that. You know, my doctor looks at me now. He's like, you know what you do. Yes. It's like a diabetic, right? You don't make them come in every two weeks to check their insulin if they're doing a good job, right? You yeah. you let them go a couple months and you make sure they can take care of themselves. Yeah. And they do most of the time. Sure. Looking at you people. <laughs> I won't name names. You know who you are. And then they eat the cookie and they feel bad the next day and they're, ah, I shouldn't have done that, right? So... I, I'm a big advocate for uh, going to therapy. And therapists are humans, too. Mm-hmm. We have problems, too. Um, <laughs> we have a lot. <laughs> a lot of us, um, I would say a good portion of therapists go to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's good for you. I, I haven't been in a while because I, I'm at a good place. Mm-hmm. I'm... I'm in a good place where I can sort through my problems and I can deal with them, and I've developed enough coping mechanisms and strategies to do that. Uh, I push therapy on people. <laughs> I yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent, but I push it on them. You know, have you gone to therapy about this? I think you and I've had that conversation. Yeah. Where, where I'm like, have you gone to therapy? <laughs> Talk to a therapist yet? Yeah. Uh, this is above my pay grade. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but I. I do. I think people, uh, there's a stigma around it still, and I don't Mm -hmm. get it. A neutral third party is always a good thing. Someone who really doesn't care Mm -hmm. one way or the other is always a good thing. Yeah. And having someone to call you out on something, when you know you're wrong, everybody else around you knows you're wrong, but having that third party be like, all right, look, (laughs) you know. This is what's going on. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the one of the things I like the most about um, the podcast medium is to me like the 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 sort of mainstream podcasts that are done by famous people. Um, I listen I listen to Pete Holmes a lot because yeah. I love stand up. I love comedy in general, and he talks all the time about it. It's not it's not only normalized. It's it's sort of glorified. Yeah, um, and he talks about. He actually, and I don't know if this is ethical or not, he, like, plugs his therapist book and says... Oh, heck no. Have you watched Dr. Phil? He plugs all the therapist books. Like, um. But I think, I think that's cool. I think that's one of the, the, the biggest steps that can kind of help us. Now, it's, it's podcast, so it's not, it's not as big or ubiquitous as television is. Fair. But and a lot of the same people are going on, um, on television and... Uh, Every once in a while, they'll throw one. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I talked to my therapist about that. And it's very casual, and it's very... And it's like, man, in my in my life, the the times I'm kind of, we'll say, in between health insurance right now. Yeah, fair. So, so I haven't been in a little bit. Um, but it's it's one of the times when I feel like I've um, been able to overcome the greatest amount of, of things and be pulled out of the, the deepest depths that I've been in. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm lucky, I think, in that it's, it's simple, just sort of talk therapy. Yeah. And just, just yeah. having someone to talk it out with who's not, who's not involved in it. Um, 
And I know that like some people need something either more in addition to or just something different than that. And I feel fortunate in that it's, I feel like it's pretty simple for me. But that's, a lot of times it is pretty simple. Well, and I feel like uh, shameless plug for music therapy. Mm-hmm. Music therapy is if you're if you're more in a psych setting. So I have a couple of psych clients, mm-hmm. um, and it's a little less intimidating than talk therapy, right? But if we ever hit something that's above my knowledge, mm-hmm. I immediately go to the caregiver and I'm like, "All right, it's time for further therapy. Mm-hmm. It's time, it's time to introduce another type of therapy in addition to right mm-hmm. because then." That therapy may subside, and they may be able to come back to just strictly music therapy, and mm-hmm. we'll be okay. Um, but there are times that you know, um, if de- if depression exists for a certain amount of time in my book, um, that needs to be seen by a higher professional. And mm-hmm. there's there's other things I look at too, um, and follow our code of ethics of reporting and, and taking care of our clients, but. Um, you know, I was, I was talking to someone the other day about if you're depressed, you're not in a clear state of mind. No matter what. If you're anxious, you're not in a clear state of mind. And so you need to have the wherewithal to be like, I need to go talk to someone. And sometimes that's your friends, but friends need to be responsible enough to be like, you need a therapist. You know, um, I'm pretty sure I'm that friend for everybody. <laughs> yeah. My parents included. Um, my parents actually weren't big uh, therapy people. And then my mom had really bad... Oh, I hope she doesn't mind me shaking this. Mike can always... Yeah. Well, um, my parents weren't therapy people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now they are. They... they. Uh, I don't think they go anymore. But there were times in our lives that they did. Um mm-hmm. But it was never something to be ashamed of with mm-hmm. my parents. Um, I think it's because my grandfather was in the health... He literally just retired. Um, after 85 years old, decided to retire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, many years <laughs> of practice. That like? Oh, golly. Yeah, many years of practice. I was trying to do the calculations, but I couldn't. Um... I think close to 60 years in practice. Um, wow. Yeah. He uh, decided to retire. Decided it was time to not work anymore. Um, but <laughs> he he always told my family, go to therapy. It'll, it'll be fine. You know, 90s, early 2000s, there's still a stigma mm-hmm. around therapy, uh, as there is still some today. But um, my family did, and man, I swear it saved my family in a way. Yeah. Uh, my brothers and I are real close. I think the furthest we go is like three days without texting each other. Um, my parents and I are real close. My mom is a saint. She's amazing. And my, my dad and I are real close. There's still times I call my dad and I'm like, man, I, I got a problem and I, I don't know how to sort through it. My, my dad's there. And I, I think therapy in a way saved our family um, in a big way. And my parents, it was not a choice, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I encourage parents to be like that. Um, my parents saw problems in me, mm-hmm. and it was not going to be a choice for you to go to therapy. Until you're 18, you don't get to decide. Um, if you're in our house, if we're paying your bills, you're going to therapy. And it was just part of something we did. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was a joke. It was like, oh, it's time for the family trip to the therapist, yeah. you know? But, like, but... We we had a good time. Our therapist was hilarious. He was great. He'd see us all as a family. Then he'd break us up individually. And okay. he was 
real good man. Um, he passed away, unfortunately, but a real good, real good man. And um, he did. He he did wonders in our lives. And there were times I was beyond mad with my brothers, and I'd leave there, and we were all laughing. Like sure. I mean, I just like you said, it's a third party to look at your problems and help address them. But our therapist also took an interesting approach to the family therapy of like, we had different insight to our families, you know? So if we would say something about our mom or dad or our brothers, he wouldn't relay that to them um, unless it was necessary. But he was very open and willing to, to use that to try to decipher what was going on mm -hmm. and to guide us and how to deal with that. You know, two brothers, a daughter, a mom and a dad living under one roof is a lot of people. Um, and a lot of personalities. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm stubborn. I know this about myself. Um, I try to work on it. Often. Because there are times stubbornness is good, and there are times it's horrible. And I try to work on that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I like therapists going to therapy. I like it a lot. Um, I think anybody should go to therapy. Doctors should go to therapy. It's, again, back to the diabetes thing. You wouldn't ask a diabetic to go without insulin. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think another, people a lot of times say, well, you don't know some time every week. Well, just don't go every week then. Go every two weeks. Go every month. Go every so couple months. Just do go, what you need to do. You know, some, some time. Or at least be open to the idea. Because what it really is is an op being open to the idea um, to, to just have support have have impartial support that's someone who's gonna either tell you what you're doing is is awesome or what you're doing is could be fixed in some way yeah. um some people just have a fear of rejection i don't want a stranger to tell me what i'm doing is wrong even if it's i think it's you know. also a fear of transparency because if you know what you're doing is wrong you really don't want to be called out on that. Yeah. Like, especially if your friends have already called you out on it. Mm -hmm. You don't want a third party. Yeah. So, to have that third party um, be like, hey, come on. <laughs> you know? I don't know if all therapists are as blunt as mine was and the ones I have are. I'm a pretty blunt therapist. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, um, again, within my scope of practice, but... Um, in my safety and restraint training, we had to role play, and one of the girls was, she was, she did a real good job. You could tell she worked with at-risk youth, you know, and she was, I was like, well, what, what do you want to do about that? And she's like, I want to kill him. And I was like, well, let's think of a different option. <laughs> you, know, you know, you never want to tell them it's a bad choice, because a lot of times they'll revert and go do that, um, but... Well, uh, let's keep brainstorming. Let's, let's. Okay, that one's that one, well, It's on the list, but let's. Move. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. and um, I had a professor in college who always said, when you're brainstorming about a problem, nothing's ever off the table. Like mm -hmm. brainstorming is the time, rational, irrational, indifferent. This is the time for you to put everything on the table, and um, and really just look at all your options. Mm -hmm. Then you start breaking them down. What are the consequences of each one? And then you try to pick one mm -hmm. based on your desired outcome. 
Tilling, probably not the best one. Not a very good one. No, no. But you have to you have to take the person from the irrational part of their brain to the rational part of their brain. And the only way to do that is to lay it all out on the table mm-hmm. and to really make them think. And you can never ask what do you want to happen? You have to ask what do you want? <laughs> what do you what's your end goal here? Mm-hmm. And if their end goal is to get something back or to have a relationship or to do this or that, okay, let's work toward that. Let's not work where the anger, the frustration, the depression, mm-hmm. where all that toxicity is coming from. Mm-hmm. Let's work toward what we want. Well, I'm, 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 I'm a fan. I'm an, I'm an advocate of therapy. Always. Always. Um, okay. Well, so there is... I am curious, not having any experience myself... Mm-hmm. Uh, about how to or how how you've found a, a balance for being a, a new parent and a working person and a therapist and, and all of those things. I'm oh, about. I'm still working on it. Yeah. Um, it's you know <laughs> you have to find what works for you. Weekends are off limits for me. I don't work during weekends. I don't do work related things during weekends. Mm-hmm. I don't answer work messages during weekends. Weekends are off limits. My husband is home. My kid is home. I'm a mom. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And if families can't respect that, that's their problem, not Mm -hmm. mine. Um, I'm also a pretty blunt person. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like it, that's your problem, not mine. (laughs) Um, um, However, office hours are 9 to 5. If you need something, I'll be there. Um, I try to be real open and communicative. Pause for dog. Nah, that's fine. I've had dogs in the podcast before. Okay. They suck. All right. <laughs> oh, no. Dogs are cute. Um, so, being an, <laughs> my internship supervisor and I just recently talked about this. Um, during my internship, I my son was four to nine months old. Four, mm-hmm. to, four to ten months old, somewhere in there. Um, and I think I just survived. Yeah. I just did it. Um, I tried to learn as much as I could. I tried to get through the next day. I just survived. Mm-hmm. Um, now that my son's a little older, a little more independent, I feel like I'm really starting to thrive. And I'm really starting to get creative again. I'm really starting to do all that. I think the first year of your kid's life, you're just like, I'm going to make it somehow. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure it'll be the same way if and when we add another kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Learning to say, you know, evenings are off. I do not answer work calls in the evening. Um, I don't answer... I check email before I go to bed. Um, but I don't answer work emails before... Or at dinner time or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to have really clear boundaries set in place for yourself. And, you know, um, your your partner, like my, my husband and I, you know, this is our time as a family. And that's what it'll be and if we have friends over we're with our friends it's not work um i have one room in my house where i do work well one room in my piano uh, mm-hmm. my piano right now is serving as a laminating station <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a baby grand so it's got everything okay. kind of yeah. visuals all over it Makes so sense. um and it also serves as a toy for my son because <laughs> he loves pressing the keys um mm-hmm. and the pedals he likes the pedals um 
But that's kind of a work-life balance in of itself. You know, if I'm with my son and I need to do laminating or anything like that, I, I do it with him. And he plays with my visuals and my instruments. He thinks they're real fun. And that's that's time that I can both work and be with him, mm-hmm. um, which is important for me um, because I don't ever want to be an absent parent. That's mm-hmm. not my goal in life. My goal in life is not to make money. It's to be a parent raise a family. Um, and then as far as all that, if my family is, if the families I serve ask about my family, I'm very open with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a son, and here's his name. Here's what we do, and um, I mention him on my webpage. You mm-hmm. know, he he is my proudest accomplishment. I love him to death, and I think he's a pretty cool kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my husband is my top priority. Always has been. Always will be. Um, my dad said when I got married, he looked at my husband and said, she's your problem now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, dog. <laughs> um, you know, but learning to set those boundaries is a big thing. But now it's this thing where it was a learning curve for my husband and I for me to be like, I need to go work. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have to go work. I need you to watch the kid. Not because my husband didn't want to, but because it's just a whole learning curve. It's yeah. a it's a learning how to prioritize, hey, I need to work, or I really can't nap with my kid today, even though I want to, because I have to do paperwork. Um, so learning those kind of things is a whole work-life balance, and I think it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, in learning how much free time you want versus how much you, <laughs> you need. Yeah. You know. <coughs> That's it. I'm always, um, I'm always fascinated. I, I don't, it's not, that's not a, a particular goal of mine, but I am always fascinated and, and often impressed by the, the amount of things, um, that to me are like, like, like being a therapist to me is a, is a full time. And when I, when I, when I say full time job, I don't mean like, nine to five, five days a week. I mean, like... No, I think about my clients all the time. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, I'm a musician full time. Yeah. Whether I'm I'm working a certain thing to get paid a certain amount at this given time is kind of irrelevant. It's... That's... That's... It's not even... It's, it's past a job. Um, and I, I very much think that if you're going to have a kid, it should be that way, too. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, you know me. I didn't go into the parenthood thing lighthearted I was yeah I was very purposeful I mean he was our he was our uh I mean we were at a phase where we were like if we have kids we have kids but um planned was probably probably not um but <laughs> but we were so excited I was terrified at first I'll tell anyone that I was terrified but he is literally the best thing that's ever happened other than getting married that was pretty cool um but but our kid and seeing my husband be be a father and work. I mean, my husband takes care of 60 kids at a time and comes home and takes <laughs> care of the kid. Like, mad props, yeah. you know? Like Yeah, that's big. Yeah. And um, so watching my husband be, be a dad and a father and also work full time and both of us work. And he's so freaking supportive of my business. And also be, me being a mother. I mean, he's just... 
I've had many a breakdown <laughs> mm-hmm. of like, should I work this much? How much is too much? What What's the right balance of mom and work? And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of moms struggle with that. And I'm blessed to have a choice yeah. in the matter. A lot of moms are not. Mm-hmm. And mad props to them because I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. But also single moms. That's a whole other topic. But yeah. Like, but... Um, and single dads, there's single dads out there. Mm. They, mad props to them. Like, I couldn't do it. My husband is a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents and his parents watch the kid, and and uh, we all take turns. And it takes a village. It takes a village. And um, I know one day, I always try to remind myself. I know one day I'm gonna look back and he's gonna be grown. And so I always remind myself if I'm in that moment of. Is this too much? How much of him am I missing? And am I willing to miss that much? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, then I'm not going to do it. Um, if I'm missing his nap time, okay. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, missing some nap times is fine. Um, but missing his first steps is not. Mm-hmm. And, and missing his words is not. Um, I think, <clears throat> not to me, you know, but there's some people who unfortunately don't get that choice, and I'm really blessed to have that choice yeah. to be with him, and I try not to lose sight of that. Um, but that's a choice I I purposely made going into my business is um, I didn't want to work. But yeah, you said therapist is a full-time job. It is, and there are nights I had one client that we had a very difficult time bonding. Um, we're now good. Mm-hmm. We're great. Um, he's excited to see me. I'm excited to see him. But um, there was one client. I came home several nights, and my husband was like, "You're a good therapist." I was like, "I don't think I am." Like, <laughs> I mean, I just I couldn't get past this block I had with this client, and it was it was a little bit of give and take on his part, and a little give and take on my part. And we figured it out. Um, but it just. It is. It's a full-time job. Mom is a full-time job. Wife is a full-time job. So it's really learning how to balance all that. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody's got to balance that in some way or another. I mean, you date, you got a girlfriend, and you've got a, many a job. And you, <laughs> you have to figure all that out, too, along with friendships and family. And that's mm-hmm. that's a lot to balance for anybody. And I don't think we think about that often enough. Yeah, I, the... It's another thing they kind of don't, it's not covered in school, you're kind of supposed to figure that out. But I think that, um, I mean, for me, for me, I've thus far pretty much been able to keep the stakes pretty low. Um, all of my big financial decisions pretty much only impact me. Um, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not married, and v- Valerie's very much doing her own thing. She's got her own studio, and she's working um, at, at a string shop and, and doing all of her things that she wants to do so if one of us kind of makes a misstep the other person's not really uh affected much or you know we're, we're at a point where we don't have there's no house payment there's no you know there's there's no kids involved so yeah. um but that so that's i i also want to express respect and and being impressed by by those people who can who can juggle that and make that happen. I I don't think that I really could either. Is a big reason why. I yeah, it. yeah. It's a it's a mental toll, <coughs> and there are times that I'm just dead, mm. you know, and I'm exhausted. And luckily, um, 
Again, I have a really good support system. I have really good friends. I have really understanding friends that Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm bringing my kid. They're like, cool, you know. Um, That was actually one of my big fears, real candidly, is uh, having a kid, I would lose friends. Mm -hmm. I knew that was going to happen because there are just some people who don't do kids. That's okay. Um, I knew that was going to happen, and I was okay with that. Um, but I was actually surprised about the number of people who stuck around. I think it's becoming more of a thing that, like, it's becoming less of kids should be seen and not heard mm-hmm. than, and now kids are allowed to be around and they're allowed to hang out. And I think that's going to do wonders for our mental health society as well. Yeah. Do you, uh, another thing, uh, when I hear, when I hear people talk about uh, real young kids or, or kids sort of being able to uh, sort of start figuring things out, starting to synthesize information. Um, are you, do you think he's, he's destined for music or what do you think? <laughs> well, at this face, he's destined for cars. Uh, <laughs> his favorite thing is to see cars and he says vroom, vroom, vroom. And uh, <laughs> although recently everything is a cup, a bathtub is a cup. Okay. Um, a trash can is a cup. I mean, I mean, technically... Yeah, yeah, they're all cups. Um, so when it's bath time, he goes, in big cup? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know? uh, That's perfect. Um, yeah. That's so uh, he'll get behind, like, if you sit in the car, he'll get behind the steering wheel and just go, vroom, vroom. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah. Um, he's fussy. You're like, let's go see cars. Great. So we spend an hour out in the driveway. Um counting cars in the neighborhood. You know, I don't know. He really is captivated by music. Um, he likes music to be on in the car. Yeah, freaking little baby bum. I mean, have you heard of this? Oh, it's a mess. It's it's a European cartoon, and they've okay. animated every children's song there is, and they've rewritten okay. every children's song there are. And he's captivated by it. <laughs> he loves it. Um, I justify it by he only gets a limited amount, mm-hmm. and he's... Hopefully learning. There's a train that counts. He really likes that one. <laughs> Maybe he'll know his numbers soon. Um, trains are also cars. Rolly sure. chairs, cars. Okay. Yeah. Wheels, moves, car. Got it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> up is up and down is up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a direction. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. He's like, up, and you're like, and you pick him up. No, up. Oh, okay, down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's he's real smart um you know he's 16 months old so he really shouldn't have as many words as he does but he has quite a few um he can be whatever he wants we're not gonna push music Mm -hmm. if that's what he gravitates towards great um except for football mom has read (laughs) brain research studies on football and real not not really a fan um Again, sports ball is fine. Football is not. Um, you know, anything else? Lacrosse beat someone with a stick. Sure, I don't care. Like, yeah, you know, at least you're wearing gear. You know, but um, I think most moms feel that way, though. Yeah. Of like, don't hurt my boy, and uh, but he he likes everything. He's a real fun kid. Um, he likes making noises, so maybe he'll be into music. He, he's captivated by instruments. He likes mm-hmm. them. 
He likes to figure out how things work. So maybe he'll just work in repairs. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he like, presses the keys on the piano and tries to figure out where things are coming from. Mm-hmm. Haven't opened it for him yet. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that when he's a little older. Um, but if he wants to do music, great. If he wants to do anything else, great. I mean, just whatever you do, be good at it. Mm-hmm. And do it 100%. Yeah. And be kind. Be kind. There's no... Re- yes, exactly. Um, oh, my tattoos, I'm so happy with Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just be a good person. Yeah. That's okay. We'll be fine. You know? Um, right now, he's in the tantrum phase. Sure. Me so... <laughs> Same. Um, so... We have to... We have trouble growing out of that part. Yeah. Yeah. He... He's learning he can kick, and he thinks it's real funny to kick mom, and... Oh, no. um, he... Again, stubborn. So we're working on that. You know, parenting is just revenge, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure parenting is just revenge. Um, so if you don't want to uh, encounter what you were tenfold, then just don't have kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that plan. Yeah. Probably... <laughs> yeah. If you think about what you were and what your siblings were and you're like, mm, maybe not, then probably not have kids. Because um, I, I remember the chaos my brothers do and still do get into and did get into. And I'm terrified. <laughs> terrified. Nonetheless, to add in what my husband did, I'm just, yeah. Oh, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Kids are great. Um, <coughs> but now I have two little Jacks in my house. So. <sighs> just wait until he starts playing Warcraft. Then... Oh, he will. It'll be gone. We're done. <laughs> Actually, no, Jack, Big Jack's really good about it. Um, he likes to watch Big Jack play a little bit of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, but Big Jack's not really ready to introduce it to him. For a decent amount of time, um, he really wants him to be able to appreciate the storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so much stimulation. It's it is. Like, no one should. <laughs> he watches Not... for a little bit, and then he's like, "Okay, that's too much." He gets down and goes plays with cars. So. Oh yeah. Or train. He puts his cars in his train. Of course. Yeah, this... and his airplane in his train. This kid's going places. Yeah. <laughs> and then he pushes it across the house. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a little. Puzzle brain in there. He likes to... <laughs> he really likes wooden puzzles. He's... Yeah, everybody says that. They're like, he's a cool kid. I'm like, we got lucky. Like, he... <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's he's a pretty cool kid. Um, he likes to be outside. Likes animals. Hmm. Well, um... I am... As a, as a sort of business-minded person... Because um, I, I feel like right now things are, you know, busy, but they're they're going. You've got right. all of your all of your things going in pretty much the same direction. Uh, My ducks are in a mob. Yes. <laughs> um, well, what uh, what do you maybe from a business standpoint specifically? Because I know that. Uh, the idea of therapy and like all sorts of healthcare being what it is, we'll see. But from a business standpoint, what are you thinking? Do you do you want to? I know you talked about maybe getting big enough to have multiple uh, staff or. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
you know, school contracts are great. I love them, but they're seasonal, right? Yeah. So I'd love to get a few more, um, like, facility contracts, whether it's um, behavioral facilities, mental health facilities, or even um, memory care and, and uh, elderly care facilities. Mm-hmm. I really would like to do that. Get some more groups on my plate. I have a lot of individuals, which are fun, but I, I think groups bring a whole different dynamic to the table. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to grow to the point where I'm five days a week and then hire someone and just kind of either taper back my schedule or add more to my schedule and, you know, give them some. Um, um, the goal would be to, you know, if I get my way, which I won't, but if I, <laughs> if I do, um, is, you know, be a big enough company that I could provide healthcare and I could provide a good working environment for, for employees, whether it be five therapists or 20 therapists, you know, um, be able to provide that, uh, Especially as my kids get older, then I'll be able to go do football games and stuff like that with mm-hmm. them because I'm sure sports ball will be involved in my life in one way or another. Yeah. So I live in America, so that <laughs> choice is not mine to make. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I would love to own a large contract. I don't know if I want it to be employee-based or contract-based. Right now I'm my own employee um, I work for my LLC, so I would like to do that, but I'd like to offer healthcare. Yeah. Um, but that's further down the road. I'd have to have quite a few people working for me. Sure. Um, but I also want to be able to provide decent salaries. So that's, that's, or hourly. So I just, that's all stuff I have to balance as I grow. Um, but yeah, I think hiring some therapists, um, expanding my range of practice would be nice, but I can only do so much when I'm one person. So ideally, I'd like to have like one person over spring, one person over the woodlands, mm-hmm. one person over Montgomery, you know, have peop- enough contracts that people could take their own little areas and, and be able to live there, have their families and, and work mm-hmm. and not have to worry about the billing and doing all that because I don't mind doing it. Um, I joke that I hate paperwork, but... Really, when I was a kid, I used to make forms and have people <laughs> fill them out. So, uh, yeah, so uh, my stuffed animals filled them out, you know. I uh, have a lot of stuffed animals, too. My stuffed animals still fill out forms for me. Right. <laughs> I have so many stuffed animals. Birds? Some birds. You need more birds. I, I see some of them. You need more birds. That's, um, yeah, I only have, I only have one grackle. Hmm. But that that's only like, oh, there it is. Yes, yeah, it's, it. it's kind of a grackle, but no, I have like a pile of stuffed animals that do all sorts of work for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're good help. My son has a good plethora of them, mostly penguins, which I'm appreciative of. Oh yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, but business-wise, that's where I see myself. Um, you know, I think uh, facilities are becoming more excited about music therapy, but they, they email me and then they get too busy. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's like, hey, we really want music therapy. Uh, I never hear back. So, um, But I do like package deals too. With, mm. with, I found that's a really good way to do things of like, if you pay this much a month, this is the services you're getting um, and the amount of documentation you're getting. And <coughs> they... They like that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, what was I? Where was I going? I could follow up, but then the wind started blowing. Mm. Um, Fair. Yeah. It is fall <laughs> outside, which is new for Texas. I know. 
Well, it's kind of cool, <laughs> right? It's fall for like six days, and then yeah, but there's actual leaves on the ground this year, which I don't ever remember happening. It's true. Maybe I own a house now, and that's why I remember it. But like, mm. I feel like they're more vibrant than usual. I think there was an article about that in the Houston Chronicle about like the temperate conditions were perfect or some science that I'm not aware of. <laughs> we got yellow and orange leaves. Oh, so pretty. Yeah, it was pretty for about a week and a half, and now they're all naked. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. <laughs> um, so, the if we, um, if we wanted to kind of spread the word, because um, that's the, where, where I was going to go is uh, sort of best practices for advocacy, um, where to, where and how to share and what to share, what groups are doing stuff, or where can we, is there a place to donate if we're looking to give to a, like a nonprofit or something? Yeah, so American Music Therapy Association takes donations, um, and they, they're a great resource for advocacy and for um, maintaining our, our licensure and helping our board and, and research. Um, they're amazing. You know, any healthcare professional should know about music therapy. If you work in a healthcare profession, feel free to reach out. I would love to talk to you about it. Um, give you more of the science behind it. Um, I think just letting people know, uh, reaching out to your special needs communities. Mm -hmm. You know, if you you know special needs people or families, you know teachers. Um, Teachers advocating in your schools for it is a big one. A lot of teachers don't know we exist mm -hmm. and that we can help. Um, but a lot of times the parents have to request it. So parents knowing that we exist. I think people just knowing we exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, if there's more questions or comments, uh, you can reach out to me at measuremoments.com and I have a form you can fill out. You can email me. Um, my contact info is on there. Um, and if I can't service these people, I know people who can. Mm -hmm. And I think having a friend who's a music therapist or just having a name ready to go when someone's like, what's the music therapy and who can I reach out to? Like mm -hmm. having a name ready to go and this person is. Because we're, we're a pretty close-knit community mm -hmm. where if we can't service or if we can't help, we will find someone who can. Yeah. So um, that's I think that's the best form of advocacy you could have is being ready at a moment's notice. Um, I have a friend who's a realtor who's given me referrals. Like, you, mm -hmm. you never know when it's going to come up. Yeah. Um, so, that's my... I think... Yeah, and just knowing that it is research-based. Mm -hmm. And it is evidence-based. And what we do is non-musical in nature. We just kind of get to add music into it. Yeah. Being... You know, having that elevator speech, if you will, ready sure. to go. Well, that's... I've, I know I put, I put your website up on, on mine a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I can put, I wanted to add some like specific links. Um, yeah. Um, and if you're like interested that. in our credentials and what it looks like, or finding a board certified music therapist, uh, cbmt.org is our um, licensure page. And it has a search page where you can find a local therapist around you to reach out to hmm. and their contact information. Um, and it has literally listed everything we are required to know and how and all that. So if you're a musician looking into it, it has kind of what you'll be studying in school and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So, 
That's good because I, I I wanted to, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I also want to like share that with some of my older older music students. Yeah, um, AMTA has a really good, um, and then Swamta S W A M T A. Mm-hmm. That's our local region of okay. music therapy. Uh, they all have web pages. Some are updated, some are not. <laughs> uh, um, you know, we mentioned newer generations of music therapists sure. uh-huh. coming in, and we're all working together to educate each other properly. Um, so the AMTA webpage is a really good resource for young younger students. So it's the SWAMTA, and it, it talks about what schools are certified and what you need to know in different populations. Here's research. It, it's really a wealth of knowledge mm-hmm. just right there. So it's a good one. Cool. And I welcome observers. So um, I have families that are 100% open to observers. So if there are people who want to come see it in action, they're welcome to. And they're welcome to come and look at it and see what it looks like in my population. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can definitely give them references for other populations as well. Well, that is good. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited to, to spread the word. Um, I think it's it's so, 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 so important. Um, and I also think that you're a good person to do it. Um, I mean, not to be too lavish with praise, but I've always found you easy to talk to, and especially about music therapy. Um, it's cool. I, I think people in general are interested in things that, when they see someone really passion, passionate about something, it's really easy to, to buy in. Yeah. And it's so clearly what this person is, it feels like they're supposed to be doing. And so that's, um, that's right. Really nice. So it's, um, we're, we're just over two hours. So, Perfect. <laughs> um, you know, that's, I, and I'm always, I will have you back on a million times as things change or, you know, new opportunities happen. Um, um, but I, for for listeners, two hours of a podcast is a, is a pretty good. <laughs> hey, hey, that's fine. I mean, I told you, uh, so I think we're down to nine hundred and yeah, yeah. <laughs> something still got hours. Like, yeah, yeah, thousand hours stuff. But uh, you know, this is um, it's. So I, I've had uh, I've I've had actually a music therapist on before. It was a little shorter, and we were we had a little bit more specific scope. Um, but I love it. I'm a I'm a fan and advocate of the. Yeah, the science, and so I think it's it's really important. And um, if there's ever any extended questions, feel free to, you know, I'll answer them. I'm pretty open. I'll do that. And I'll I'll link to everything. Uh, I do a big I do a big fancy blog post with links, and there's pictures. Oh, pictures! <laughs> Please use my webpage ones because I'm a mess right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I feel uh, I feel pretty good. You feel pretty good about. Yeah, I have no idea what I just said, so it's great. <laughs> oh, no, we won't. Neither one of us will ever hear this. Perfect. This is for other people. <laughs> You're gonna chop it up. No, I usually uh, I make sure that everything is audible and great. I love it. And every once in a while, I get a text message just like, "Hey, remember that thing you said?" I'm like, "Nope." Great. Nope. <laughs> and if you don't have a time code for me, I'm not going to remember having said it. So. That's why I usually it just it's 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 a very casual thing, but some people are like, "Hey, you said a really funny thing," and I'm like, <laughs> "Did I?" Okay. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast once, and someone was like, "I just black out, like I just start talking, and yeah. then I have no idea what happened." 
that's that's kind of where it is. But uh, you know, hopefully, um, I don't know. I, I think people get people will be fascinated by um, by that. So, uh, but but thank you for coming on. If you've made it this far into the episode, uh, thank you for for staying with us, and hope that you will do some research. And uh, if you want any more information, you have many resources to to get it. But, uh, but Rebecca, thank you for, for coming Thanks on. for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Y'all be good.